Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist podcast. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I'm so glad you're here. I know you have a lot of podcasts to listen to, and I really appreciate you being part of this community. Today, I am delighted to bring you a guest. Her name is Dr. Sean Hondorp, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Sean Hondorp, PhD, ABPP, is a board-certified clinical health psychologist and health behavior expert. She earned her doctorate from Drexel University in Philadelphia and completed her pre-doctoral internship and fellowship in health psychology at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. She has a top-rated podcast called Motivation Made Easy, Body Respect, True Health, which is going to be renamed to The Innovative Therapist. And this is an amazing podcast with lots and lots of episodes, so I can't wait for you to check her podcast out. So in Motivation Made Easy, she interviews therapists and other people about the ways they've built lasting trust with their bodies and improved their health and well-being. Her passion is building authentic connection and talking about how research and real-world experience collide via honesty and personal stories. Sean founded the Psychology of Wellness because she believes that the more people we teach to listen to and trust their bodies means more mental and emotional bandwidth available to create a more equitable and kind world. She creates supportive learning environments for therapists and hosts retreats, offering innovative approaches to healing. Sean lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan with her husband and two kids and a pug named Teddy. Welcome, Sean, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yes, me too. And I love things about health psychology. I think so many of us in the therapy world do because we tend to have a holistic bent and having that whole person is more than just our minds and our emotions, but we're in these bodies. And sometimes we don't always like our bodies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I come from the research background and I just, I've always loved the mind-body connection. I think it's just amazingly fascinating and I continue to be fascinated by it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We will definitely dive into this. So with the mind-body connection, we have the heart and my podcast is called The Heart-Centered Therapist. So I always start with asking my guest, what does it mean to you? What does being a heart-centered therapist mean to you? Yeah, this is a great question. I had to think, I had to really think about it, but I think ultimately a big value of mine is being authentic, being myself and being able to bring myself into the therapy room, but also the other things, the non-therapy things that I'm doing has been a little bit scary in some ways because it's different than how we were trained, but ultimately really freeing. And so I think bringing my authentic self to the work that I do and really learning to trust my body in a way that, you know, I know we'll get into this, but my story involves disordered eating slash an eating disorder, overcoming that a long time ago. And then my next level of like body trust has been various things, but definitely having a business has been a big part of learning to trust my intuition and what I'm doing. I left a healthcare system job about over three years ago. So it's been, yeah, being a heart-centered therapist has been a journey too, because when we're in these big systems, You have to do things a certain way. And even if it doesn't feel right to you. And I think there's been a lot of things about therapy and the previous work that I did, mostly in the weight management world that didn't quite feel right to me. So it's been fun and a journey to explore and trust myself to move towards what feels right. 
Yes. Wow. And so really that authentic part is super important to our work as heart-centered therapists. And I completely agree with that. And I'm very intrigued about when you talk about bringing in more of like your authentic self and personal life experiences into your work, because that does go against a lot of what we're traditionally taught. And yet it can be so powerfully healing for our clients to know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And also this concept of trusting yourself more as you become successful in business. Oh my goodness. I'm really interested in that too. <laughs> so we've got a lot to cover. We do. We do. Yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> good. It, it already is. Let's start with this building trust with your body, because that seems to be a tenet of what you share with your clients, with other therapists that you train and that you came to yourself. Yeah. As you likely know, there's a lot of barriers to us doing that. There's really a lot of, I would say, systems or ways, beliefs in our culture that don't necessarily, not like people don't want us to trust our body, but systems don't benefit from people really trusting their bodies. So the main most, I would say most obvious one would probably be diet culture and all the messages that we get, which is, hey, the way to achieve health and success is rooted in this is a smaller body is the best body and a certain type of body is the best body and that assumption. But then also the plan to get the success is outside of you. So here's your diet plan. And I was definitely the, I would, I was like a moderate. I didn't think I was super restrictive with my dieting, but oh, I had many years of 12 to 1500 calorie diets, but oh, if I ran or exercised, I'd eat more. I was trying to follow the rules. I was trying to follow a lot of the things that I was trained to teach other people in terms of weight loss and like graduate school and research, uh, weight loss trials, things like that. And yeah, it's been a journey to move away from that and say that doesn't actually foster long-term change for anyone I can foster that short-term change of like, where we have those fits and starts where we're eating in a certain way that feels good and moving our body. But typically when it's driven by some external thing knows what I'm supposed to be doing, it just tends to not be sustainable. And yeah, it was quite the journey to get there. I studied all of these things very much looking back because intuitively I knew I needed to figure them out myself and yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm curious if you're open to talking about this, Sean, were you already in a healthier place with your eating when you started graduate school? No, I was in a I, it waxed and waned, I would say. I wasn't in a terrible place in graduate school, but there was times in graduate school where it got worse, not surprisingly related to yeah. more stressful years. And um, yeah, I, mean, I came out of the program still it was a basically two years after I left graduate school or maybe three that I had made some progress with my relationship with food, but I finally found the book intuitive eating, although it had been around for years and that kind of clicked for me and it's not, like, Oh, I was healed and done, but in fact, doing my podcast, I'm like, Oh, there's always more growth and healing. The more you learn about these more weight inclusive approaches, but yeah, I felt pretty healed up. And that was when I'm like, okay, no more weight watchers, no more calorie counting. Like I can trust myself to figure out and I can trust my body to go to the weight that it is best for it and relinquishing control, which is really hard. And honestly, I think it's important to acknowledge like size privilege and it's mm -hmm. easier to lean in and trust our bodies when we have biologically a smaller body size, which most people would say that I do. So okay, yeah, that's a piece of it too. Yeah. And I just, I really just want to thank you for sharing that with us. That's such yeah. a vulnerable share. And I really acknowledge you because it's going to help so many of my listeners, right? So many people, if you just touch one life where somebody finds out, oh, it's okay, you can get there. And knowing that somebody as successful as you are is willing to like take this brave step and share it really, it means so much, just means so well, much. I really appreciate that because it's gotten a lot easier to share. It's relative. It's not hard for me to at this point, but when I first started sharing on my podcast, I was quite nervous about it. And, but I love what you said because 
one thing that really helped me in graduate school was this random podcast. It was back in 2009 and uh-huh. it was a weight loss focused podcast, but she was sharing. She struggled with binge eating. She struggled with all these things and she was a pretty successful person. She was in like finance or something, but yeah, like one story. And I was like, I was very influenced. So that it was part of it. So I appreciate you saying that because that it was part of why I did it is because I was like, if it helps like one person, it's worth it. Cause absolutely. It sucks absolutely. being in it. <laughs> it's it awful. sucks being in it. And most of us, unfortunately, because we've been a part of this culture have struggled in some ways, especially women, but also men, all people have struggled with this. It doesn't matter. We don't have to identify that way. And yet we're talking about weight, but it could be something else that somebody is going through in grad school that they're like, yes, I know I'm not healthy yet. And I want to do this work and help others, but I'm still in it. Is it okay for me to be doing this work and identify this way? And you just are giving all of this permission because who better? Yeah. The people that really deeply care about it. And it's, a, yeah. I think also, hopefully people get the message that it's okay that there is a re- part of the reason I've went in this path is to w- work on healing myself. And I think I used to feel like, oh, that's selfish or that's bad, but it's like now, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about IFS, mm. but I think of it as like that part of me that's like, was just working so hard. It was like, no one else is helping you. So I'm going to help you. <laughs> I'm going to lead you to do all these things, learn and grow and, and keep seeking resources until you figure it out. And so I have appreciation for that part of me now and I don't judge it much. Oh, anymore. wow. Or maybe yeah. At all. yeah. You're thinking <laughs> that part. That's so yeah. beautiful. Totally. Yeah. And that integration really helps with this wholeness. And there's so many terms that, that, are in this discipline around weight and health at any size, health at every size, size privilege. I know about privilege, but I haven't actually heard those two together, which really makes sense. I'd probably be a person considered size privileged as well. That doesn't mean I haven't had my own issues or haven't gone through my own story or had family members. And so this is just Mm -hmm. really does hit home. As you were talking about the external factors. Forget Weight Watchers, the counting calories, this external diet. Somebody says, it seems like this externality doesn't influence our own motivation. So talk to me about that. Yeah. it's And the reality about motivation is it's not like we either have it or we don't. We have different types of motivation. And when we have a lot of that external motivation, it's not that it's bad motivation per se. A more benign example would be like, let's say someone really wants to run a 5k and they're like, I signed up for the race and I have a date and I I really, this is important to me, but it is external. And maybe after they run it, they might be like, I'm not as motivated to run anymore because I was doing it for that external like achievement. It's not bad motivation. It's just not as likely to be associated with that long-term sustainable change. So if you really want to foster a love of running or of nourishing your body, We have to look at the external. We have to look at where it comes from. We have to unpack where those messages came from and help to kind of unlearn a lot of that so that you can lean into some more freedom to then figure out what actually works for you. And it's a journey. It's a process because these messages are really ingrained, not just diet culture, but also I would, what I would say, hustle culture, overworking culture, right? And also really real systems that make like inflation and things like the need to make money. There's just a lot of things that get in the way of our ability to really deeply take care of our bodies. So I think it is important to acknowledge that it's a hard time to take care of your body. It's worth continuing to move towards it. But if you're struggling with that's very understandable, but what we really want to help people do is unpack where those messages came from and learning to turn towards and understand and maybe yes, reduce some of the self-criticism around some of those things. But first, before we can reduce it, we usually have to understand that it actually has like a really positive intention and is there for a good reason, which I know we're going to get into, but to really foster that internal motivation or autonomous motivation 
really there's two types. And so it is important to notice like intrinsic motivation is like, we just love the thing. We would do it no matter if we ever got any external reward from it. And that could be anything. And it's going to be different for all of us. And then the other internal type of motivation, maybe we don't always love the activity, but we're actively choosing it. So no one's forcing us. The example I always use for myself for this is cooking. Like I really value trying to cook at home, saves money, more nutritious, can have more control over what we're eating. I don't love it. (laughs) Maybe one day I will. Um, And these things can shift and change over time. There's a chance I could learn to intrinsically love cooking. I would love that because it would help me do it more. But But you love the value of it. You just don't necessarily love the activity. Yes, exactly. It's consistent with my values. I feel proud of myself when I do it. Honestly, I'm a lot better at being like, good job. You, You are doing great. But when that's covered up by diet mentality, as it is for so many people, like, oh, you really should because so often that's rooted in like body shame and like your body is bad and wrong and you need to fix it. That's gonna, it might lead to fits and starts of doing it, but it's not, it's going to make it so much harder to figure out an eating and movement routine that actually works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it is important to be able to choose something, to recognize that you're choosing it as mm-hmm. part of the motivation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I really love how validating you are that this is an incremental process. It can be hard and it's okay to say, this is really hard work, or it's really hard to try to be healthy right now with all of these other factors and oh, situations. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. And yeah, the healthiest choice can often be That's why you'll hear sometimes people don't like the term healthy or unhealthy because, and it's taught everywhere. My daughter comes home and says it. And I'm always like, "Hmm, why do you think that's like chocolate's not healthy? I'm like, "Hmm, tell me more. I think it can be healthy sometimes. (laughs) Like it's delicious. And because yeah, sometimes the healthiest choice can be like, it's been a really long day. We're ordering pizza. It's no big deal. And it's, Fine. And, yeah. and of course I do that often, right? Not there's all these rules like, okay, but only once in a while, there's a lot of different ways to take care of ourselves and it can look a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. freedom, right? Yeah. That's so great. Freedom. We keep talking about freedom and I know this is something we want. We want this in our lives and in our personal and professional lives, work and how we feel about ourselves. So I think it's all going to get entwined as we continue our conversation today. Yeah. Um, Share a little about the notion of competence and relatedness, because you you told me those are part of the psychology of motivation. Yes. Yep. So this is all based on, for any um, people that love research like me, it's based on a theory of motivation called self-determination theory. It's really well studied across not just health behaviors. Um, so selfdeterminationtheory.org, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And it's a little bit jargony, but essentially when we think about trying to shift away from external motivation to that internal motivation, we want to meet three key psychological needs for any behavior we want to foster long-term consistent change with. And so that is autonomy, that freedom of choice without excessive pressure, which we've been touching on. Um, The second one is competence, feeling effective, feeling, yeah. I got this. And just to point out that like the statistics about weight loss dieting are not wrong and that they really rarely lead to that long-term change. So if we think about that really reduces that sense of competence, like that's definitely was the case for me. I'm like, I clearly am failing at this, but I think the system is failing us. And I think it's important to look at that. How can we foster a sense of competence when it comes to making changes? Well, one good way is to reduce the focus on weight, which is mm-hmm. really hard to do right. <laughs> and for good reason, but just wanted to throw that out there. But yeah. And the third one, which is really important, which is directly related to your community and what you're trying to build is a sense of relatedness, the sense that one belongs and that they're welcomed um, regardless of mm-hmm. any different factor about them, size, race, ethnicity, and of the other things that make us unique and diverse. And so when we're in communities where we feel like we belong, we really understandably thrive and we tend to figure out how to move towards autonomous motivation for health behaviors, but other behaviors too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a beautiful message that we can heal and grow and thrive in communities like that, right? And yeah. then that fosters even more that sense of competence, like how you say, I've got this, right? And mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. others who cheerlead you with that. When Even as you're yeah. saying this, Sean, I'm okay. And here's the message where the message sometimes probably gets like m- miswired, we come up in families and we think we belong or we're supposed to belong in these families. And yet we get all of these conflicting messages about healthy, not healthy, size, everything else. Yep. And it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yeah, we have like our little family of origin community. We have various larger communities we're part of and in just our larger cultural context. And yeah, there's a lot of harmful messages. <laughs> there's a lot of like, even, yeah, this is how we do things and this is the way we are. And so if you're trying to shift in some way, you can get shamed for that. And that could, yeah. I don't know, it could be a lot of different yeah. things. <laughs> that, right. But yeah, it's a, it can be a lot to unpack. It <laughs> really is. And you have your PhD in this. So like you're yeah. an expert here and you're still learning and sharing and bringing guests onto your podcast. Yeah. Guys, Sean has like over a hundred episodes already. <laughs> like she's really gotten some esteemed guests and shared her own wisdom and experience. And so that's why I'm just so grateful that you're here with us today. In terms of you being able to like make that shift and let go of like the diets and Weight Watchers and then an IFS, were they connected for you? Was like working with IFS what helped you mm-hmm. shift everything or? No, I came into my awareness only about mm, not quite two years ago. So that was a lot newer and how I'm incorporating that increasingly as I've been learning is a relatively new development. So my relationship with food, I find IFS is really wonderful and just allows me to go even deeper with my clients and with healing and, but, and it's been hugely helpful to me personally, more so with my overworking part and some other parts of me that I didn't even realize were maybe taking the place like I wasn't I don't I don't restrict I don't do any binge eating I I eat to cope with emotions because that's a normal thing to do but oh wait like I don't have those parts yes (laughs) okay (laughs) absolutely it's super common and we want to de we want to destigmatize binge eating too but binge eating is different in some ways or it can be different than emotional eating but yeah like to just intentionally be like it's a stressful day and I'm tired and okay, mm-hmm. I'm eating some Christmas candy. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. To just not stress about that's always bad is freeing and it really can usually be necessary. If, if someone never wants to do that, that's your choice and that's fine too. But I personally find that it's freeing to be able to be like, yeah, I don't binge. I don't eat till I'm sick anymore. So that's mm-hmm. good. But, yeah, that's yeah. great. And again, thank you for telling us this and giving yeah. us the permission <laughs> to know, you know what? Emotional eating is actually pretty normal. And so mm-hmm. let's not beat ourselves up. Let's have some self-compassion around that. Yeah. And yeah. especially for therapists, we're going to talk a, a little bit more, particularly about therapists or people who have these sedentary, long hour jobs and what we can mm-hmm. do to try to improve our connection with our bodies. But yeah. yeah, so every time we normalize something, I just know it makes such a difference. And mm-hmm. thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So how Happy did you change with the diet culture? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say my journey with that was gradual. It tends to be how I change in most areas. I have mm-hmm. less, I guess, sometimes I'll have like aha moments, but it's more, I'm a research person. So if I had a graph, I'd be like, gradual ups and downs, but like a gradual upslope. And for me though, intuitive eating, it was reading that book was the final thing that helped things click. At that time I was living in Chicago, training for my first and only marathon. I was pretty healthy relationship with exercise and running. I I tend to actually really enjoy that. Oh, I'm a runner too. I love running. Oh, you are? Nice. Yeah. This is great. Love it. Yes. Yeah. So that, but I, it was like, I was training for that first marathon. And then I, for some reason had joined Weight Watchers and it was like the final thing that I was like, what on earth am I doing? I think I had read the book recently and it planted some seeds and I don't know. It was just that final, like letting go. And I trained for the marathon 
think I gained a little bit of weight because that can be normal when with all that running. And I was just like, it's okay. But again, this easier said than done. I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it just, it just changed. But I was also starting to dig into some other stuff in therapy, but I would say a lot of it was sort of me trying to do it on my own, which mm-hmm. pros and cons. And now I'm not trying to do things on my own. And I've found some therapy modalities and therapists that have really um, allowed me to go to a deeper level, but I was able to heal up a lot of my food stuff. I don't know. I think that was like close to 15 years ago now, maybe. Wow. Wonderful. Sure exactly. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Did you know one in five people will experience a mental health issue this year? Mentalhealththreads.com is your online shop dedicated to promoting mental health awareness and breaking the stigma surrounding mental illness. You can find fun, creative, and inspiring products like t-shirts, hoodies, and more, all with positive messages that remind us to take care of our mental health. Favorites like Perfectly Imperfect, your anxiety is telling you lies. It's okay to not do it all. And no risk, no magic. Plus, we have a special collection just for therapists, like our bestseller. I'm a mom and a therapist. Nothing scares me. So come check it out at mentalhealththreads.com. Our mission is to start important conversations about mental health and to remind you that you are not alone. Check out mentalhealththreads.com today. So really in combination with some changes in your life, your lifestyle, gaining a little bit of healthy weight through running and then reaching out and getting some help, because I think we're, we tend to be pretty like, I'm going to do it myself. Independent therapist. It's hard to have it all. I have it all. I I know everything. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. I actually, my story is that about a little over a year and a half ago, I joined a parent coaching program. So I had two kids and my second kid is pretty strong willed. And I didn't know parenting threw me for a whole nother loop that really has definitely fostered (laughs) continued growth. And as also being a business owner, but I would say parenting particularly my youngest was when we put me into a parent coaching program and that parent coach really was so helpful to me. And I was like, oh, maybe I actually can gain some outside benefit. Maybe I don't know everything. (laughs) And maybe someone can challenge me in a loving way. And that also prompted me to get back into some kind of trauma-informed therapy. And ultimately I started my own IFS therapy recently, which has been pretty cool. Amazing. Right. And, And it just shows, right? Challenge ourselves in a loving way. And we can do that with a therapist. We can do that with a coach, with a group, Mm -hmm. with some trusted person. It's really important. And just the sense of like, this takes time, right? We're, Mm -hmm. we're talking about over some time. And so whatever you don't give up, right? Like Sean, your story is so inspiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it, and yeah, your, your question is so good. And I, I never want to come off as dismissive. If, like I just read this book and it was over, but it was finally like me just having enough of this dieting thing is just not getting me anywhere close to any of the results. My, I was more, I was never actually low weight at all. My weight never fluctuated a ton in terms mm-hmm. of like big yeah. fluctuations, but I was, yeah, my, I was just like, this is this is not, I'm not getting any of the results. So just, okay, I'm going to trust that my body knows what it's doing. And that was the process too. But yeah. Yeah. And even that is important because sometimes you might think like if somebody else is in your shoes and they're like, yeah, I don't have these big weight fluctuations or I'm like, I'm pretty okay, but I know inside this isn't working for me or I'm getting really anxious around like my meal planning or eating with people or whatever it is, or my exercise, Mm -hmm. a little weird. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about these really honest conversations is because we normalize it and we say, okay, look, what can you do for yourself? If you really want to change something, let's look at it. And there's so much that, that so many more like gentle affirming ways to do it. And that's what you're talking about today. Yeah, totally. And hopefully, yeah, yeah really planting that seed of hope. If you're like, I, I think I could feel better. Mm-hmm. You could, and it, it may take some effort, but it's, it's worth it if you want it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you use 
the IFS with your clients, mm -hmm. you've given us like a little bit of parts language mm -hmm. and the overworking part of you. And oh my goodness, mm -hmm. I have her too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, let's talk about the IFS in terms of applying it in therapy sessions with your clients who have body concerns. Yeah. Yes. It's been so nice. So helpful. So I would say there's different common parts that might show up in, in my clients. And let's take, let's maybe start with the part that restricts or wants to diet or wants to, yeah, just like restrict eating or minimize eating or wants to like optimize or be super healthy. It can take different forms, but sometimes as therapists, we want to convince that part to change or to like, mm. be like, okay, but remember like restrictions bad and it'll prompt binge eating and education, which can be helpful. But for some of these parts, they can be really like, yeah, you don't get it. You don't understand my role. And so we have to really understand. So it might look like really focusing on somatically how they experience that part when they notice thoughts, like I can't, I got to eat less, or mm. I can't eat that specific food. That's bad. And turning towards and really understanding, getting the other parts that dislike that part or that are polarized with it to step aside and really developing that compassionate relationship with that part because it does, it is trying to do something good, even if it ultimately ends up not leading to a good outcome. So that is one example. I would say another example that's hard but really powerful for people is to look at that internalized self-critic that can often look like internalized body shame. They see themselves in a picture or they pass a mirror and they immediately start berating themselves. We look at, again, the intention behind that part. And again, that one can be harder to approach for most people because it can really activate that, what IFS would call exiled part that carries a lot of shame. But being able to see that the intention most of the time those inner critics, which most of us have one. I certainly do, although I work with it much better than I used to. That's another really big benefit of IFS for me. They have a protective function. They're trying to often steal us or get us to change. Often that critic leads to a change part. And so it's related to like self-improvement. And when we can really see the system compassionately, it can really be a game changer for how we approach those parts when they show up. Yeah. So there's this sense of being curious about these parts. What is their role? What are they trying to do? Yep. How could they let these other parts in the system know and inviting yeah. that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And in the IFS model, it's all about creating a self two-part relationship. So getting the other parts in the system that don't like that part to just give a little space, which for me and for many clients, it's sometimes can feel like we're actually be the first time of truly experiencing self-compassion, not just cognitive self-compassion. Many of us are like, I don't know if, if you're anything like me, you're like, yeah, I want to do self-compassion. That sounds awesome. But my critic was like, yo, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. We yeah, can go there plan. in our heads, intellectualize yeah. it. Exactly. Like you deserve, you are allowed to cry, but you have another part that's, that's not safe you're being whatever you're. And so it's, yeah, for me, I, I feel like it's a really nice way to move towards embodiment, but also mm -hmm. just like appreciating those parts of yourself. Oh, okay. You're here for a reason too. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how this would just lend so much to things around weight and body image and self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And honestly, many of my clients are, were also working with unrelated to weight and eating too but yeah all all of it it's very good too I would say that a common polarization that people have that I work with is a desire to lose weight or make your body smaller or maintain your weight gets polarized with a desire for a peaceful relationship with food desire for not getting too rigid not getting too disordered most of my clients have some degree of both of those parts and they fight and it's exhausting and so we learn to listen to both and that's where we can approach even like really nuanced decisions about there's tons of <laughs> everyone's hearing about the new um, weight loss meds and the GLP-1 right. agonist meds. And I used to met some of my backgrounds in bariatric surgery, so learning to trust 
our clients or teaching our clients to trust themselves that they can listen to these parts and make a choice from a place of what IFS would call self-energy, from a place of self-trust and intuition, and that it's freeing as a therapist because you don't have to have all the answers for weight loss meds or like any decision. So that's a nice thing about the approach too. Yeah. And that intuitive piece is really helpful for any decision, especially around, sure, we would like a medication that makes a lot of things work better, but there still are, there's still that, that inner working that has to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, right. You are up against a lot. And now that you talk about those weight loss drugs too. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. They are everywhere this time of year as we record in January. That's definitely a lot of exposure to that. A lot of opportunity to work with Mm -hmm. parts of clients that, and parts of me that are like, have different, different, I don't know. I have different opinions or different parts of me have different opinions about those drugs um, and holding space for all of that. Exactly. Yeah. And we are, we're recording this in January and it makes me think about people who are like starting on exercise workout routine or different healthy regimens. And sometimes we set ourselves up for disappointment, sometimes for success. What do you recommend in terms of a new year, new you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think if someone like, let's just say someone has started and maybe they're it depends, but maybe they have been able to maintain some of those changes. It's okay. First of all, it's okay. If you start something at a new year, it's fine. I personally have been starting to like get up a little earlier without snooze and I've done it consistently since the new year and I'm incredibly proud of myself. That's so, awesome. You should yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. That's it's great. been like a thing I've been trying to do for a long time. I so, think accountability yeah. is important. You just said it in front of a witness. So that's cool. Accountability <laughs> can be really helpful with our goals. Yes. Yeah. Especially for certain personality types. And I'm one that benefits from that for sure. I know there's some personality types that are like, I'll just do it regardless, but many of us benefit from that accountability. Yeah. And I think really looking at why, why you want it, right? Like that values piece. The other thing that I think is really helpful is so you can have an external goal, but really looking at why you want it, but also how you want to feel, how you want to feel emotionally, how you want to feel in your body and really focusing on those words. Or even I used to be very against anything related to manifesting or vision boards. Like I used to be I just, I'm a scientist. I'm like, that's, (laughs) but there is a lot of science to support it. And honestly, my personal experiences, when you focus more on, in my parenting program, we do some of that like together, right? In in community, what do you want this year related to your family or not? And mine last year was like, I want a more calm and spacious life or reflecting more regularly on, I have a little journal now that it's like, what are like, she calls it vibes and values, but it's what are some of the vibes or things you want to feel. And I forget what mine was today, but just, I want to feel grounded. I want to feel aligned. I want to feel nourished. Like those can be really helpful to focus on in addition to, because that taps into more of that intrinsic. How do I want to feel? And then you can, it can help guide you to what you want to do. Cause so many of us were just so conditioned to doing a lot of doing a lot of tasking yeah so much doing and that intrinsic motivation is really helpful because I could even see somebody who wants to go to the gym right and but it seems like a chore but how do you want to feel when you're done with your workout or how do you want to feel when you're done with a walk solo or with a friend or whatever that changes the whole concept of doing the activity yeah totally yeah I think continuing to just get curious right of, is the gym you're seeing do you love it like when you get there and do it and you come back do you love it great that's for me and like the the my I do 10 minutes of stretching when I get up that's it I only have to make myself do 10 minutes but I, I do love how I feel actually during and after but also that permission of not everyone's a gym person and can we get curious of where you got that message that this is how we exercise. This is how we're supposed to move or just listening to your body and saying, yeah, this is how I want to feel. And what do I see myself doing? What have I always yearned to do? And listening to those desires is really vulnerable because again, usually we're not trained to do that or taught to do that. It requires us to get a little quiet and to really turn inside and we don't always know what we're going to find. So 
can be scary. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It is. Um, yep. Yeah. For therapists and our well-being, that's a it's a, I'm a big proponent of therapist and self-care, having community connection, that ineffable balance that we're always trying to find because otherwise we are going to burn out if we don't have some systems in place that really support us and nurture us. I know my legs, my back, my butt hurts from sitting in a chair, tried the stand-up desk. Sometimes it works, sometimes not. But we as a group yeah. tend to have a lot of stress. We have sedentary jobs. We do the emotional, probably emotional eating <laughs> or starving ourselves because we're going back to back. And yeah, so never peeing. Right. Never <laughs> peeing. Right. So mm -hmm. what you work with therapists, you take them on retreats, you do workshops. Mm -hmm. What do you advise for us as a group in terms of bodies, health, weight? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And I think really looking at, first of all, giving yourself permission to try to, if you work for yourself, obviously you have more freedom, but trying to really say, how can I design my day in a way that actually supports my body? So, or this is something I'm not personally good at, but I've been thinking about doing like really communicating more clearly to clients. I have to stop at least at five to the hour. So you have this little break and you can get up and stretch. I need to be better about that. But I know my clients, if I say that, they'll be fine with it. I just right. haven't yet because I just haven't. But um, trying well, to- We I, both have I, those strong overworking parts. That's why I'm very mm -hmm. similar to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. And my overworking part has made- some progress, which has been very fascinating lately. Like I've really listened to it. I'm like, and it's really stepping back, but yes, like trying to just listen and trying to not schedule, like scheduling breaks, making your schedule work for you. The other thing I'm really interested in, I took a course a while ago on walking therapy. I've not yet done it, but I think it's so interesting and we can at least explore it. Walk Insurance and talk coverage. therapy. Walk and talk therapy. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And the other thing that I'm trying to do with my offerings for therapists is I use a lot of the Voxer app, which is like a free audio app mm -hmm. where you can send messages, listen to messages. I use that to communicate with friends. I use that to communicate with my parent group. So I will go and walk on my breaks and respond to messages from, we just had a little book club that went through the IFS No Bad Parts book with mm -hmm. actually some therapists, some not, but it's more of my education coaching business, which I do have separate, obviously with therapy, sometimes we have some confines, but I think that's why I'm renaming my podcast innovative. Cause that's the thing that gets me so yes. jazzed. Like how can we think innovatively to make our work for us too? Um, yeah. Because, oh, I love that really outside yeah. of the box. And again, bringing in that intrinsic feeling. How do you want to feel, right? So designing your day or how do you want to feel like if I think, oh, now I have to take a 10 minute walk. But if I knew I could maybe Voxer with a friend or a colleague, mm -hmm. that would be way more fun. So anyone who wants to Voxer me, reach out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Sean has room on her Voxer. But... <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but those are great really ideas mm -hmm. of expanding our range of things we could do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And really giving yourself permission. Yeah. One of the other things last year that I focused on was like really leaning into my zone of genius, which I really enjoy therapy. I think it's my zone of excellence. Sometimes it can feel like my zone of genius where I'm just like in it so energized, but really making like looking at ways I can do work that I absolutely love and really provide a great service, but it doesn't feel like work. And actually trying to get paid for that work feels so different than what we're conditioned to do because we're like, I would do it for free. So I did a mini retreat like last October that was like collaborated with a running coach and we like did a little run in the woods and it was a real small, it wasn't actually for therapists. It was some therapists, some non-therapists, but we did some IFS meditations. We, we collaborated. It was on a Sunday, I think. And I don't work on the weekends usually. My overworking part is very much in check. And but it didn't feel like work and I did it. I'm like, I just made money doing something I would have done for free. Uh -huh. So I think also opening ourselves up to our conditioning, which is like you make money doing stuff that's like hard or like at least effortful. I'm like, it felt a little effortful to be present for the meditations and things. It wasn't no effort, but I was like, oh, I just got so much out of that myself. Yeah, that's great. And and you recognize that's 
dropping into your zone of genius and mm-hmm. something that you really enjoy doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does yeah. that connect for you, Sean, with the notion that being a business owner and entrepreneur has also led to greater health for you, which you said at the beginning? Yeah. I think when you're outside of the structures, <laughs> you really have to look at like, how am I doing things and how do I what do I believe, which is scary, but also very freeing going back to that concept of freedom and autonomy. Right. And so it's allowed me to continue to pursue the work that feels incredible, energizing, like that actually is fueling versus draining. Cause sometimes therapy can be draining, right? Let's not sugarcoat it. And so to try to look at how we can actually do the work that's, I, I believe that when we have people doing the work that makes them come alive, like everyone benefits. And so many of us were taught, no, you just have to work hard and serve the people and do the things that they need. And we're just also factoring in our needs into it. And I wasn't able to really do that. (laughs) Just required to do X amount of bariatric evals every day because, and I did not like doing bariatric evals, not because I didn't like the clients, but because that was not, that was not my zone of genius. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So now you're really having more fulfillment and satisfaction. Yeah. Um, Yep. And I will say, of course, that has been a journey, right? So this is, this January was the start of year four. Year three was a lot better. Year one and two were a lot of overworking, a lot of trial and error, a lot of things that looking back were not aligned, just like creating an online program that I was very proud of the program itself, but the way I was encouraged to market it. I'm like, oh no, I'm not a marketing expert. I'll just do what they say. But looking back, I'm like, it didn't really feel right. And just doing a lot of stuff that was like a waste of my time, honestly. But yes, it is feeling a lot better lately. And I'm very excited for this year and what's to come. It's feeling a lot more, uh, honestly, like easy to trust what feels right. And talk to me in a few months. Hopefully I'll feel the same. Hopefully I'll feel more, but um, yeah, exactly. Who knows what the future holds. (laughs) Yeah. But you're excited going into it. That's definitely great. Share with us a little bit about um, what you offer for therapists. Yeah. Just recently. And so the retreat, the mini retreats I've done before, but the big retreat, which is going to be three nights is I went on a retreat to see how someone does them Mm -hmm. in November. And I booked a retreat in Michigan on Lake Michigan in October. So it's a ways away, but I booked that like just a week ago. So it's super fresh, super oh, congratulations. new. Congratulations! Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's small, like mm-hmm. eight therapists, me, someone who's helping me run the event and a private chef. So it's going to be real good food. And yeah, it'll be yoga and business photography and all the things. I'm really excited about that like just creating the space for therapists to connect with their body do some of this reflective work the teaching is all about ifs honestly so much about the concepts we touched on today mm-hmm. and then yeah and then the other offering that is i just finished up sort of an ifs book club and i'm as we speak in the process i'm like letting the creation process happen so i don't know exactly when i'm hoping within the next month i'll have an offering for therapists wanting to learn some of these concepts, learn some about IFS, possibly going through that no bad parts book together, doing the exercises together and processing Mm. probably on Voxer, a little bit on Zoom. That's what we did last time and it went really well, but specific to therapists and yeah. And also having some Zoom calls for like confidential client consultation. Yeah. So that's the tentative plan. And I have some other possible ideas just because I think I'm so excited about the yoga component there's a body worker that I have an email out to her right now of she does she essentially does IFS and somatic she knows she does somatic work but she doesn't she does IFS and doesn't know she does IFS I'm like you're doing IFS I don't know maybe some yoga integration embodiment piece so it's not just learning and staying in our heads those are some of the things it's always changing and evolving but that's I think the two main things I see for this coming year. And if people are local to Michigan, maybe a little bit of local connection group, just because I think that's, I think I'm craving in-person mm-hmm. connection for sure. Yes. That sounds so awesome. And I'm really glad the listeners got to hear a little about 
you and get to know you and your style. And and if somebody feels aligned with you, Sean, then they can reach out to you. We're going to have everything listed in the show notes, right? Because that's how you know when you really want to work with somebody, you get a flavor for them. And Mm -hmm. that's really the best way to to do it. So I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so share with us your website and also the podcast. Yes. Uh, Yes. The website is my name, drshawnhondorf.com. And there, yeah, you can jump on my email list. My email's on there. You can directly email me. I was, I I have a bunch of, we were talking about lead magnets before we hit record, but I have a bunch of those. I have one, if people go to drhondorf.com, it's like a shorter one uh, forward slash parts. There's like a kind of that polarization between the weight loss and the wanting peace with food free resource. So good. Yep. And I do, I've done a few workshops about that in more depth too. So if you're on my email list, you'll know about all of that. And yeah, the podcast is currently called Motivation Made Easy, Body Respect, True Health. And it's official in the last few months, I've been mulling over kind of a rebrand. I've been the same name for the whole time. I started it in, I think, February 2021. So it's been a while. I've taken some breaks, went from weekly to buy every other week to reduce the overworking, but I'll probably take a short break in a bit here and then rebrand it. So if you're searching this like after April, it'll probably be called the innovative therapist. And I think if you search my name in the podcast players, yeah. either one, it should come up, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that because we do have a, I have a lot of guest interviews. I use it as my own learning, continuing education. And I just love my guests. And Mm -hmm. um, so we do have a nice backlog of episodes and uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I definitely respond to all my emails unless they're random podcast pitches that don't (laughs) have clearly know nothing about me, but everything else, if it's a personal email, I will definitely respond. So they can always, people can always reach out. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sean, for sharing so much of your personal and professional worlds with us and really normalizing and validating this journey that so many of us are on with trying to come to peace with our bodies and have more trust in our bodies. And it's so important, this work you're doing. I just really want to acknowledge you for bringing this work to your clients and to therapists for themselves and also to help them with their clients. It's really powerful and it's making a difference. So thank you so so much. much. Yeah, it was really fun. Really enjoyed it and loved your questions. So thank you. Great. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.